The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for tuning in. So, Bubba, is it uh, frustrating sometime to have a discussion clouded with the facts? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, you go into a discussion. I said a discussion, not mm-hmm. an argument. Right. Let's say that you go into a discussion. Not even a heated discussion. No, no, just, yeah. we're going to be civil here yeah. and say that it's just a discussion. Mm-hmm. So you go into this discussion kind of ha- being armed with your information, mm-hmm. with your point of view, with the points that you need to bring out. And, and I, I don't want to even say armed, right? Okay. Because armed, you know, it does indicate a indicate little bit of you know a little yeah. bit of aggression. Yeah. But yeah. maybe you're prepared with facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you hope. Yeah. The problem is that a lot of times you don't got no facts, mm-hmm. and the other person has no facts either. Right. And basically, we're just slinging at one another based on innuendo or whether I like you mm-hmm. or maybe emotion. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now. My mother, if, you know, if let's say that somebody was standing up and, and, and giving some characteristics of Greg Cooley's past life, and he went to such and such school, and he had a certain GPA, mm-hmm. and he owned such and such business, that would impress my mother, and she was happy to hear all those things. Yeah. But one of the things that my mother was most happy and most proud about related to me mm-hmm. was... I made it a debate team in high school and college. Okay. Oh, she loved that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because my mother from time to time did like a good debate. Right. <laughs> Discussion. Argument. Mm-hmm. All right. And she loved the fact that I made the debate team. And one of the things that one of my debate t- coaches and teachers taught me was get past the emotion, mm-hmm. get past the innuendo, get past the preconceived ideas, get to the facts. And try to keep your voice at a certain level. You, you know, I, I'll tell you one thing that I like, and, and I never had debate as a class either in college or in high school. Okay. And I wish they had offered it, it, right? It was cool. It was fun. Now, the, the thing that I really like about debate, right, mm-hmm. is the fact that uh, in a classroom setting, mm-hmm. you're required to know both sides. And you're assigned what side you're going to take when you get there. That's exactly right. So the night before, yeah. let's say that we were going to abort, uh, 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 talk about gun control. Mm-hmm. I'm just picking one. Right. As I, I was in college so long ago, nobody brought that kind of stuff sure. up. Sure, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there are some things we need to discuss related to that mm-hmm. these days. And so let's say it was, he, our coach had given us fact sheets right. mm-hmm. on pro and yeah. con. Well, now that's kind of cheating, isn't it? And you were supposed to memorize them and be yeah. prepared. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You didn't have to verify the facts? I didn't have to verify okay. his facts. He just gave them to us. Okay. All right. But I had to be prepared. And when we got there the next day, mm-hmm. he may say, Cooley, you're con. Mm-hmm. And Labus, you're pro. Right. Well, now, some of this was based on whether you were as good a memorizer as I was, because mm-hmm. he gave us all the information mm-hmm. there. Now, later on, when they would give us something to debate, or we were going to a competition somewhere, mm-hmm. they would give it to us, and we had to do all of the background checks, and we had to come up with the facts. But initially, you're right. They gave us the facts, mm-hmm. and I had to know both sides of the argument. Now, that helped. It also helped clear in my mind where... In my spirit, I really came down on issues. Yeah. Because once I looked at the facts, Mm -hmm. you know, got past the emotion and the innuendo and the opinion, sometimes the facts just tell the whole story. That's right. Now, the reason I bring all that up today is because many people are emotional right now, Bubba. They're emotional about a war. They're emotional about inflation. They're emotional about gas prices. They're emotional about the possibility of a recession. They're emotional about the fact that the stock market's down 20, 25%, right? Yeah. Am I wrong on any of that? Not wrong at all. Okay. So today, what I'd like for you and me to do is go back through history. Okay. Real facts and ask this question. What really happens if we have a bear market? Okay. Okay. Now, you and I don't have crystal balls, even though my head kind of looks like Mm -hmm. one, okay? So, we can't tell you the future, but a lot of times the future kind of imitates things that happened in the past. Uh, Well, and and as I said to an individual uh, yesterday that I was on the phone with, we've seen this movie before. Mm -hmm. We just don't know how long it is. All right. So, if we've seen recessions before... Mm -hmm. We've seen bear markets before. Mm-hmm. We've seen wars before. Right. Yeah. Um, we've seen civil unrest before. We've seen disagreement with the people who are in power mm-hmm. before. What if I went back 50 years? Okay. Maybe in more than 50 years. Yeah. How about if I went back to mid 1950? All right. So that's almost 70 years. 70 years. years. I, and I was about to say, if you go back 50 years, you've got to realize, you know, that's 1970. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 72, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to go a little farther than that. I'm going to go back mm-hmm. to the mid-50s. All right. So there are bear markets that have occurred. First of all, before we get into this discussion, what is a bear market? Technically, what is that? Definition: a, a bear market is defined as a, a decline in the stock market of 20% or more. Okay. All right. It could be a 20% day down. Mm-hmm. It could be a month where it trickled down a little here and there. And by the end of the month, it was totally down 20%. Right, right now in 2022, it's taken us about, what, 50 or 60 days to kind of start out fairly right. high. Yeah. And, and go down, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but it has to go down 20% to be considered a bear market. Yeah. And right now, we're technically not in a bear market, mm-hmm. I don't think. Not yet. Not yet. We're, we're very close, and we're teetering, mm-hmm. right, on that bear market mm-hmm. number. Uh, but we have not hit bear market territory yet. All right. So once you hit it, mm-hmm. going back about 70 years... We're going to talk about how quickly it takes to come out of it. Mm -hmm. Is it three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months? And 
by how much we usually come out of these things once the thing has gone down 20%. Okay. Wouldn't that be interesting to see the facts? I would, yeah. All right, so we're going to discuss that here on the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So we're talking about the facts, Bubba. Just the facts. What was the name of that, that television show? It was Dragnet, wasn't it? Yeah. Just yeah. the facts, man. Yeah, where uh, Friday, was mm-hmm. that, that his name that said just the facts? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, somebody on that show was named Friday. Or Joe something. Friday. Joe Friday or yeah. something. Uh, yeah. It was the other one. It was one of them. Uh, Bill Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if we're just going to look at the facts, get the emotion out of it. Now, is that a big ask to get the emotion out of it? When, when somebody looks at their investment statement and they're down 10, 15, 20%. Is that a big ask for them to get the emotion out of it? Just take a deep breath, get the emotion out of it. Is that more than many people can do? Probably. You had people emotionally talk to you about their accounts when when they go down? Um, Not only when they go down, but when they go up Mm. as well. Okay. Because... uh, and I think I mentioned this yesterday on the show, Mm. fear and greed are the things that really motivate and move people to do things, right? So you're either scared that you're going to lose money Mm. or you're greedy because you want to make more money. Right. What does that say about us? Does that say something negative or is that just being factual about we as animals and we as humans? I think that's very factual about humans. Now, once I realize mm-hmm. that about myself, you think I can feel it coming? I can see it coming? I can see myself acting in a certain way that is either greedy or fearful? I think once you, you realize it and maybe quit thinking of it in those terms, but mm-hmm. look at it, looking at it in a, uh, in a business sense, Ooh. you got a, a, a great example. And everybody knows the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, right? Yeah, right. I, I don't think that he is um, uh, an emotional investor, right? Uh, right? And right. I, I don't think that he is, is determines or makes decisions based on fear or greed. Okay. He I, tries to make business decisions. He tries to make business decisions, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, some could, could argue that, you know, the underlying motivation there is greed because he wants to make more money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily think that that's the case, that he wants to make more money. I think that he's more about winning, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And whether that incremental measurement of winning is mm-hmm. 2% or 20%, mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter to him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now it may matter to his shareholders, mm-hmm. but uh, to him, you know, he he likes the the aspect of winning as opposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 aspect of how much gain you're going to have or how much loss you're going to have. Right? Have you ever watched, uh, you know, like a coach, somebody who's really successful and really good, and you know they have championships, they have rings, they mm-hmm. they make big money doing this. But they frustrate you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they frustra- frustrate the fans. Now, I want to remind the fans, you probably have never won a ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably don't get paid millions of dollars a year. You probably don't stay up until midnight 
studying a certain defense. Right. But from your point of view, he's frustrating you. Mm-hmm. He keeps running the ball or he, mm-hmm. he won't blitz or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, this dude is trying to win the game. Right. The fans want to win every play. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. That's right. A championship coach is trying to win the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Fans want to win every play. We want to win every play, especially if my team's mm-hmm. against yours. Yeah. It it, it it becomes bragging rights. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it becomes ego. And that dude's down there on the sideline with all of the facts. He mm-hmm. knows what the tendencies of that other team are. You haven't studied it that mm-hmm. much. You don't know it. And first of all, the other thing, you don't have the expertise mm-hmm. to even do or strategize what you should do if you find out that mm-hmm. the guy does do whatever when you play such and such defense. But but they have. And that happens with people like Warren Buffett. Yeah. You know, you'll have folks on television and they're just frustrated with him and he hasn't bought this company or he hasn't sold that company mm-hmm. or he has made a decision on this thing and they're just frustrated. And he's about winning. Yeah. He's about buying good companies, providing jobs, and finding a way to mm-hmm. make them more productive and increase the share value. Mm-hmm. That's what he's there for. Right. And in the middle of it, doesn't get lost in the emotion. Right. But for the average person, the average mm-hmm. fan, the average investor, this is such an emotional thing. Uh, and why is it emotional for him? It's a good question. Right? So I think that the reason that it is emotional is because it's unknown. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the average investor doesn't have education in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's something that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a lot of experience uh, in many cases. Mm-hmm. So that, I, I guess, again, you know, the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. is, is what drives many of their decisions. Right. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, you may have somebody listening out there and they're in their early 60s mm-hmm. and they're getting ready to retire. And we're going to come back and talk about what people ought to do when the market is down and mm-hmm. it seems to be happening just their luck in the year they want to retire. Mm-hmm. But let's say that they're, and, and they're, they are, are, are arguing back at their handheld device or their radio as they hear you say that many of them mm-hmm. aren't prepared and inexperienced. And, and they're yelling back. They're saying, Bubba, I've had a 401k for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I know what this is about. The thing that is different is that when it was at, in, in the 401k, mm-hmm. somebody else was managing it. Well, and, and more importantly, somebody else was managing it in the 401k, but theoretically, uh, not theoretically, uh, in actuality, you were the manager you of it in many cases, right? Uh, uh-huh. So you were the manager of it. You probably weren't allocated the way that you probably should have been, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um so a, a number of reason I, uh, reasons I would say that there's, uh, you know, a, a false uh, sense of security there. Uh, false sense. But of, you've also got uh-huh. the fact that the individual who had the 401k mm-hmm. was working at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you stop working and you stop having that income come in. Oh, yeah. When you don't have a paycheck, there's extra pressure. There's extra pressure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So then something changes. You decide to retire. You have the pressure of not having a, a weekly or biweekly or monthly mm-hmm. income from your employer, and suddenly you have rolled this four hundred one k in many cases somewhere where you and an advisor are mm-hmm. 
face-to-face managing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Face-to-face doing it. Yeah, it was kind of an austere thing. It mm-hmm. was just done somewhere out in the world, out in you know, Never Never Land, when it was at the 401k. You didn't, many times, didn't have a face-to-face conversation with the advisor nor the managers. And, and in order to put a face on this, right, I'm a financial professional, mm-hmm. and I've done this for 20 years now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. My own personal 401k that I have, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to call it the uh, the Ron Popeil method. Okay. Set it and forget it, right? Uh-huh. So I, I know how it's invested, mm-hmm. and I set it up, mm-hmm. and I'm not worried about it because I've got a long-term time horizon on right. that, right? right, right? right, right, right. And I'm not in there monkeying with it every day. I know that I'm putting money in it You know, every pay period that mm-hmm. comes around. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not fooling with it, right? right? right. And I'm a financial professional. Uh-huh. And you think to yourself, well, Bubba, you're a professional. You ought to be in there trading in and out of your 401k every day. Nope. Right? No, I'm not. Right. Because that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to do it. The other thing that makes it extra pressurized mm-hmm. as somebody is making this decision about retirement is that that point you just made about time horizon Mm -hmm. when they were working and it was in the 401k and it was being managed out there in never, never land. Mm -hmm. And they had a paycheck to come in and help them out. Uh, They kept thinking, I don't really, you know, it goes down, it goes up. It's 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And then a few years go by. I'm not worried about it. It goes down. It goes up. I keep putting in. It's five years from now. Mm -hmm. But then when it's here, right. It seems to add extra pressure mm-hmm. to them. Now, that's not necessarily death day, is it? No, absolutely not. Just because they're going to retire. Just because you retire at age 62 or 65 or 67, whatever the number is that you retire, right, does not mean that you're going to die the very next day. We should hope not. We hope not. We hope not. Right. Yeah. And so because of that... It's not really a, a short or as short a time horizon as you think it is. You think you mm-hmm. had ten years and then you were going to get to D Day, and then you had five yep. years you're going to get to D Day, and it's next year and you're going to get there, and then when you get there, mm-hmm. uh oh, I've got to manage it. I got to see it. I got to make conscious decisions. I'm not going to have a paycheck anymore. And oh, by the way, uh, I've got to make decisions mm-hmm. on it today. Right. But now, aren't, aren't we thinking you're, you've got some life expectancy mm-hmm. and you should live 10, 20, 30 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The statistics tell you that people are living, many people are living as long or longer in retirement than they did working. Let's just say that again. Mm-hmm. As long in retirement as they did working. Yeah. I'm having a conversation with my mother-in-law the other day. My mother-in-law tells me that she's been uh, retired since the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. She's been retired 25 years, almost yeah. 30 years. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well, she worked 34. Right. She lived four or five more years, which we hope she does. Mm-hmm. My, my, she was in retirement. As long as she was working. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She proved your point. Yeah. So... Sometimes this is perspective, and sometimes this is emotion. But if we get past that, 
then we can really talk about the facts, which we're going to do in the next segment. We're going to get to that here at the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk. The Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. We're talking about, okay, so bear market shows up. You have a bear market. Your accounts, general stock market, the S&P 500, whatever, goes down 20% mm-hmm. that you said is technically the definition of a bear market. Right. What then? All right. So I'm using some S&P charts here. Okay. All right. These are the facts. And we're going back 70 years to basically 1950, right? We are. All right. So first first part of the 1950s, pretty good in the stock market, Mm -hmm. pretty good in the economy. We had a bear market technically on June. No, that's October. October the 21st, 1957. Okay. So 1957 was the first bear market of the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, market went down 23% before it turned back around. So it met the criteria. All right. So I'm going to stop you there, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to talk about this just right off the bat. Mm-hmm. 1957, does it give an indication of what the S&P 500 or the Dow was at that time? No, I don't see the number. All right. So, it, And this is just the point that I want to reiterate. Right mm-hmm. at the time, if the a if the uh, if the S and P five hundred was two hundred, right, right, and you had a twenty three percent decline, right, right, yeah, you're looking at a decline in the S and P from two hundred down to one hundred and fifty four, yeah, right, right, somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah, right, yeah, substantial, yeah. On a percentage basis. On a percentage basis. But the real numbers... But the real numbers... Don't seem that big these days. Don't seem that big these days. Mm-hmm. Now, today, mm-hmm. when we're looking at a decline of 20% or more, right, mm-hmm. in the S&P 500, and you say, hey, you know, the S&P 500 is trading at 4,000 mm-hmm. right now, and you get a 20% decline... Mm-hmm. That's 800. 800 points, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and I say that to reiterate the fact that... Um, these large point movements that we're seeing in the market, whether it be on a daily basis uh, or on a, a longer term basis, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. seem to be exacerbated by the size, the size, yeah. not necessarily the percentage, because the percentage has always been the percentage. Yeah. And, and we've had these point movements on a daily basis and, and yeah. monthly basis, et cetera, et cetera, going back since the beginning of the stock market. 20 percent of 10 is two, two and yep. 20% of 100 is 20. 20. But it's still 20%. Right. But two and 20 sound like different numbers. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So and I'm going to get off my soapbox. And psychologically, that could make Phil say, oh, you know, yeah. my dad, his, his, his 401k only went down 40 points one time. Mm-hmm. Well, it was 1962. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. that was a big, big move. Yes, it was. All right. So we're going to go back to 1957 here, mm-hmm. and, and the thing goes down over 20%, 23%, and it turned back around. In three months, it was up 5%. Okay. In six months, it so was in, up- So in October mm-hmm. is when it started, mm-hmm. right? It started to turn around. Right. So I, I guess there was a point in time where it started. Yeah, it started back in 1956. It so 1956, to yeah, 300 to days to get to the bottom which was October the 21st, 1957, Mm -hmm. all right? And then it starts to kind of turn back around Mm -hmm. there. That was the bottom, all right? So in three months, Mm -hmm. 
about the first of the year, 1958, the market went up 5%. Right. In six months, it was up 9%. Mm-hmm. And in 12 months, it was up 31%. Okay. All right. Now, let's go forward four or five years yeah. to the next one. And this is where we remind people that past uh, performance is not indicative of future results. It does not, but it may be an indication of how the, the whole mechanism works. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So 1962 had another one. Okay. From the time it went from its peak. So basically four or five years, right? Four or five years. Okay. So for four or five years, mm-hmm. we didn't have another market decline of 20%. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that intermittently in some of those years you had there, 5 10 15 19% declines during the time frame mhm yeah mhm yeah uh what happened in the early 1960s just uh from point of view of history uh there was rioting in the in the streets there were race wars what about uh, president kennedy yeah president kennedy was shot mhm yeah in the early 1960s mm-hmm. right and so life, you know, it, today... 1964, we, that was the beginning of, kind of very beginning of Vietnam too, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Had the Cuban Missile Crisis mm-hmm. and all that stuff in there. And so, you know, we here we sit in the 2020s, mm-hmm. and we want to tell ourselves that 50 or 60 years ago, life was so much better. Mm-hmm. Huh? It was so much simpler. Well, it was simpler in certain ways. We still had issues. Right. There's mm-hmm. still issues. So in 1962, it took 115 days. It started back in the 1961, somewhere mm-hmm. around about the time I was born. Uh, and about 115 mm-hmm. days later in May of 1962, the market entered into bear market territory. Right. Three months later, up 7%. Mm-hmm. Six months later, up 11%. 12 months later, 26%. Go forward to 1966, had another one. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So, from 1961-62, we're about another four years away, another right? Four years away. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and Phil's over there starting to nod. He thinks yeah. he sees a pattern. Because I'm reiterating the four uh, years each time, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So, in 1966, it goes down. We got another bear market. And three months later, up 7.9. Six months later, up 17.6. 12 months later, up 24.6. Mm-hmm. All right. There are three times in the last 70 years where the market has entered into bear market territory, and it took it more than 12 months to, to recover. To recover. Okay. When were those times? All right. One time was in 1973. All right. We, we had an extreme recession. Mm-hmm. So if you, there's a difference between the bear market and... And the recession. Right. Sometimes you have a bear market and the market is overheated or something happens or it's Mm -hmm. a political issue or something and the market goes down 20%. That does not necessarily mean we have a recession. Mm -hmm. Most economists now say that a recession could happen, but they're not really predicting it based on a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. that are happening in the economy that need to go wrong Mm -hmm. in addition to the market the stock market right. going down for us to get a recession. But in 1970, we had, uh, and I kind of skipped ahead there, yeah. but in 1970, another four years Four after, years, yeah. We had another bear market, mm-hmm. and, and three months later, the market was down. Mm-hmm. First time, 
it was down 4%. Okay. Okay. Six months later, it's down 8%. Kept going. Okay. At the bottom, 32%. Mm-hmm. Okay. It started to turn back around. And 12 months after it entered into the, or into the bear market, mm-hmm. it was up 10%. Okay. Okay. Now we get to the 1973 where we had the really bad recession. Mm-hmm. And 12 months later, we're still down 20%. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now, 24 months later, we're up 30%. What, what did you have, though, in, in 1973? Yep. You had high oil prices, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. had a, a recession. You had... Uh, Something called Watergate happened in Watergate there. happened in there, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The end mm-hmm. of Vietnam's mm-hmm. coming and a lot of debate about that and people yeah. hating on one another here. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the rioting in the streets, a lot mm-hmm. of things happening in the 1970s. So we got through that one. This is where an anomaly occurred. It took it until 1974 for it to turn positive. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the stock market yeah. here. But we didn't have another bear market until 1982. Okay. So we went eight years there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But three months later, we were positive. Six months later, we were positive. Twelve months later, we were up 32%. Mm-hmm. Then you go to 1986. Yeah. Had another one. Three months later, positive by 10%. Six months later, positive by 14%. 12 months later, positive by 22%. Mm-hmm. Long and short of all of these numbers that we... Now, and, and in 86, we're not even talking about Black Friday. Not yet. Right? Yeah. So, 87 happened. Mm-hmm. All right. And we had like 38 days in there around Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few times, another one of the few times where it wasn't a three or four year time span, right. between, span between these things. But they were positive coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2001 happened. Then 2008, and 2020. Uh, now 2020. What about 94? Like, did we miss anything there? Yeah, 90, there was a recession in 94. Yeah, but we never got to bear market territory. Never in bear market territory, never, even never, during that recession. Never went down 20% okay. or more. Okay? So recessions can mm-hmm. occur without bear markets occurring, mm-hmm. and bear markets can occur without recessions occurring. If they occur together, it usually takes more than a year to come back mm-hmm. out of it. I said a year, right. not a decade. Right. All right? Now, what does all this tell you, all these numbers and all these facts you and I threw around here? If you're listening today, what are some things you could walk away with? Well, I, I think uh, a, a listener would walk away with, uh, Greg, you're just trying to sell people in the stock market. You ought to be invested, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one thing mm-hmm. that people could say, all right? And it may be true. Uh, there are some people that should be invested because it's mm-hmm. the way they're going to create wealth for their family. Sure. And they need to do it from the perspective of understanding it doesn't go straight up. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go straight up. You're going to have volatility. You're going to have 5% days. You're going to have 10% quarters. You're going to have a bear market 20% every three, four, five, eight years. It's going to happen. And we try to tell people when you know they're in our office, you know, you may think we're the greatest thing since sliced mm-hmm. bread if you have two years in a row where you're up double digits. Yeah. But it's coming. I, when we come back from break, I want to talk about the more recent bear markets mm-hmm. that we've had. We need to. From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you. And so, Bubba, we're talking about these, these recessions. We're talking about bear markets. 
We're talking about our emotion. We're talking about the facts. And you said you needed to to kind of peel the onion back and talk about Mm -hmm. some of the recent ones that have occurred. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, based on the numbers here, when was the last bear market that we had? 2020. 2020. Right at the beginning of the year in March. Okay. And what happened during that bear market? What caused it? What caused it? What was associated with it? COVID. COVID, right? Right. We had a a government shutdown. We had an economic shutdown that happened basically overnight, right? Yeah. Once uh, once the uh, government um, folks realized, you know, how serious this uh, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. illness was, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Vaccines yeah. and all that stuff, right? But how long did it take to recover from that? Yeah, not long. Not long at all. So mm-hmm. the one prior to that, which mm-hmm. which was it? Which or, or what time was it? Well, that was in two thousand eight. 2008. All right. That's the one where yeah. we had the housing crisis. So we we went tw- uh, 12, 12 years, years without a bear market. Which, which quite actually, uh-huh. if you're a recent investor, you've been spoiled. Mm-hmm. Because Phil sat over there going, I remember the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. And we had these things coming along every three, four, five years. Right. Right. And you started by, mm-hmm. you know, somebody convinced you after 2008, man, everything's cheap. Buy in. Now, and I would argue with you that there were a couple of times in between 2008 and 2020 mm-hmm. that were close, yeah, right? Rough ride a little. 2018 being one, mm-hmm. right? October, mm-hmm. November of 2018, there was a trade war with China. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, a government shutdown and a few mm-hmm. other things happening. Mm-hmm. And it, was, um, it wasn't considered a flash crash right. by any means. Right. But, uh, I, and I think the downturn was about 18%. So right. it got close. Yeah, we did. We did a right? couple times. So that would have even backed it up ten years. But if the if the media mm-hmm. doesn't use the word bear market, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but when they use that that yeah. term bear mm-hmm. market, scary. Yeah, and and by the media using the term bear market, mm-hmm. how much of that bear market market is exacerbated? by the fact that the media has announced that it's a bear market and you've got individuals who are despondently selling at the mm-hmm. same time, mm-hmm. which uh, mm-hmm. expands on the bear market a little bit more. Uh, yeah. you know, how much of it is emotion-driven? It's kind of like a domino mm-hmm. or, or a snowball kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One thing starts and then another thing starts and then the next right. thing, and then it just gets bigger and bigger by the mm-hmm. moment. It feels like, especially if you're watching your numbers go down. Right, right. Hmm? And so in the middle of these recent ones, they've been created by things we remember now that we have been reminded of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. All right? Do we remember Y2K? Yes. Those of us who are over mm-hmm. 25? Right. Huh? Well, we don't think about it very often. Mm-hmm. Huh? Y2K affected your finances. Well, and I remember people telling me that I needed to carry water around in my trunk. <laughs> You know? Yeah. 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 Your ATM's not going to work, but mm-hmm. your lights may not come on. Yeah. You're not going to be able to connect to the internet. We're you going know, back to the dark ages. We're going to go to the dark ages. There mm-hmm. won't be a computer in the mm-hmm. country that'll work. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about freaky and scary? Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. If you're under age 25 and you're listening to us and nobody's really talked to you about the fear in the streets Mm -hmm. over Y2K, I'm telling you, 
there were people that were doing some crazy things because they were scared. And on top of it, you were in the middle of a dot-com bubble. We were. Yeah. You know, getting ready to be uh, attacked by terrorists in mm-hmm. New York mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. in 2001. Yeah, that's exactly you right. Know? You think, you know, if, if you're less than 25 years old and you haven't thought about this, you think that this mm-hmm. recent thing with, you know, monkeypox and mm-hmm. coming through COVID and whatever Mr. Putin's doing is, is, is the freakiest thing that's ever happened in American history. No, 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 no. Right. You know, we've all lived through some things. Mm-hmm. But you know what has survived? Capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know what has survived? The motive to make a profit. That's right. You know what has survived? The fact that people are fulfilled by their work. And when they're fulfilled by their work, they make a profit for somebody. And somebody shares in that profit. And many times it's shareholders mm-hmm. who share in the profit. Right. And it happens after Y2K scares, and it happens after 9-11, and it happens after mass media, because we're resilient. That's right. Now, as people listen to you and me talk about this, is it falling on deaf ears? Um, to a degree, maybe. think so. And the reason I say that is because it, it gets back to that initial point that I made. Mm-hmm. It, it hits home when it's your money. Uh, yeah. If you have investments in the stock market and they go down 20%, right. that's unnerving. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, some of the people who are the most mm-hmm. emotional about this who are people who had a goal, mm-hmm. okay? Maybe their goal was to retire, and now they feel like, oh, man, my account's gone down 20%. I'm going to have to wait a year. Now, that can make yeah. you angry, mm-hmm. okay? Here's another one. I always wanted to have a million dollars. Right. And I've saved and invested, and my spouse has saved. And I got to $990,000 in my 401k. I was so close. I was so close. Oh. Right? And now I got eight hundred. Mm-hmm. And, man, that feels like it's going to take yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. And it's insulting to me and my hard work and my blood, sweat, and tears and that of my spouse and maybe some sacrifices we've made over time. Because mm-hmm. you know what? Bubba, in order to be able to get there, I've been putting over 10% in my mm-hmm. 401k. And if I had known this is happening, I wouldn't have done it, and I'd have bought a four-wheeler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd have had some fun in life. Right. I've heard all of this. Mm-hmm. Right? And so people who have a specific goal in mind, and either they got there and they were pulled back or they were just close mm-hmm. and, and they didn't get there, it can be emotional. Right. It can make you angry. So you add the emotion to it. You add some goals to it. You had your blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. to it. It's completely understandable right? how you feel. However, you can feel something and not have to take an action that would be drastic. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah. You can feel angry. You can feel frustrated. You can feel let down. You can feel like you don't have an answer or nobody has an answer that calms you. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do anything drastic. What are some of the drastic things that people do? Uh, They sell everything that they own and go to cash. 
we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and you know, you don't even have to uh, be the participant of a bear market for for people to do that. Mm-hmm. It could, uh, like I mentioned yesterday, and it doesn't matter which president because I've seen it on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get a new president, and you think automatically, ah, oh, well, you know, things aren't going to go the way that I want them to. So I'm, I'm, you know, getting very, very conservative immediately, and that makes you feel like you did something. Mm-hmm. But did you do the right thing right. for yourself mm-hmm. and your family? I've had people tell me, I don't watch Major League Baseball. Yeah. I don't watch the NFL. I don't watch the NBA because I don't like the politics of those people. Yeah. Every one of them? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're one or two coaches yeah. or one or two players that you've heard that you know are blowhards mm-hmm. and, and you didn't like right or left wing, whatever you stand for. But every one of them? Mm-hmm. So you're going to not allow yourself to be exposed to any of that and it makes you feel good like you took action. Do you think the dude that said something that you didn't agree with really knows you did that? No. They don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. You think the stock market knows you're mad at it? No. Huh? Nor does it care. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid not. You need to be making business decisions that are best for you mm-hmm. and your family long term. Now, in the last minute or two, let's talk about timing here. You're close to retirement. You had close to a million dollars in your 401k. And you'd gone to see Bubba Labus, and he said he could, you know, he thought you could get thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year mm-hmm. the rest of your life out of that amount of money. Right. And now it's not mm-hmm. at that number. What should they do? If if nothing else has changed and they still want to retire, I say retire. Mm-hmm. Even if they move their 401k to a different location, mm-hmm. it's going to be reinvested elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And at, as I've heard before, rising tides raise all ships, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So even if you're uh, invested in a 401k and you move it elsewhere and you have it invested there and mm-hmm. the stock market rebounds, mm-hmm. you're going to participate. In there that. are a number of alternatives. Mm-hmm. There are a number of strategies that could possibly be used. Don't make a decision on your own. Right. Okay. Nor based on emotion. Or, nor based on emotion at all. Hope the facts helped today from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners, 
Partners, LLC, is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management, Incorporated.